Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Homestead Story. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead. It has been a very long time. This was our biggest break, I think. Yes, and it's been nearly impossible for us to podcast in, in the morning. So we're going to give it a try and see how we are in the evening. Usually we've got our coffee and we're like really like hyped up. And yeah. I don't like to listen to our podcast because it's hard to hear yourself talk. But I have noticed when I do listen to them that I am very interrupty. And hopefully that's the caffeine. And hopefully I won't be as interrupty <laughs> here in the evening. But we did have to have a drink because we're used to having coffee when we podcast. So. Absolutely. I have a a nice hard cider here. And I have an India Pale Ale. It's a beer. Yeah, he's got a beer. So um, we're going to try the... that route instead of caffeine. Right. We'll see how it goes. It's either going to be really chill or, or just not we'll going to work. We'll see. So. We're going to give it a try. We, <laughs> yeah. It might not make it out to you, but we'll give this a try. Yeah. So we actually did sit down to podcast about a month ago. and Yeah, we sat down, had the computer ready to go. Yes. And then I happened to, as Pete was grabbing something, and I clicked on an article right before we're getting ready to podcast that a friend had sent and um, it was just revealing if you're if you're Catholic or if you're paying attention to the news, you might have seen or heard that there is just so much scandal coming to light in the Catholic Church right now. And so we sat down a podcast and we we read so much scandal, and we were just you know the two of us were like, there's no way that we're going to podcast right now. You know, there's right. just we just felt like we needed time to just be angry. It felt like a complete kick in the gut. Yeah. We just wanted to be angry. We wanted to mourn. We wanted to, um, you know, luckily we go to a great parish and our parish has been doing a lot of like just prayer reparation, reparation and, um, and prayer for renewal in the church and prayer for victims of abuse. But for us, we just wanted to take a break and just come away and just intercede. I mean, we are just horrified. Like right. we are absolutely horrified. And when you're, you know, a family, so luckily we're surrounded by, we are so blessed to be surrounded by great, great Catholics. So you look around and you see these families who are trying to give everything to live out their vocations, to live out the gospel, to live out the beautiful teachings of the Catholic church. And then you see, you know, so many people in the hierarchy, just um, like completely undermining it. It is just so angering. <laughs> right. It well, is. and the analogy we've used for the church is that it's a family. And so we do think of the church as our family and then something like this happens and it becomes very, very personal. So we're used to hearing about bad things. I mean, you can't turn out, turn on the news without hearing about, about bad things. But in this case, it feels really personal and it feels like a, just a complete letdown. As a father, it makes me furious that things like this could happen and and kind of go on undealt with. Yes, as a mother, I'm reading stories, you know, of abuse or, or hierarchy, you know, covering up abuse, and all I can see are my children, and I'm just like, I'm angry, you right, know, I'm right. just. Yeah, so we wanted to we wanted to just stay with that for a little bit. We yeah. want to be angry about this. We don't want to just move past it. We want to be sad about it because because it's angering and it's really sad. And we want to mourn for the victims, and we want to. Absolutely. Um, pray for the victims, pray for healing, pray for renewal and do our part. So the right around when this was coming out, I went on an awesome retreat with our parish and um, there was a priest that was um, celebrating mass in the morning and he's, you know, he just got up and was like, I have 
I don't know what to say. I have no words. Like you could just tell he was devastated. And he said, please hold priests accountable. Please hold the hierarchy in the church accountable. And for too long as lay people, I think we've been like, not doing that. So I've been doing my part. I've been writing letters. I've right. been signing petitions. I've written so I've written the um, the bishop's office many times. And I think you know, do what you you know feel like you need to do, but do something. Have a voice in this time. If you're a, a faithful Catholic, wanting um, change, wanting justice, wanting um, transparency, wanting um, wanting truth to be lived out. I mean, you know, we need to to speak up in this time. So right. that's what we've, you know, right. instead of podcasting or, you know, for me, it's almost like homesteading hasn't even felt that important, honestly, during this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and there's, there's, there's so many people that are hurt from this, but it also feels like the people who are in charge, they really let down the message of Catholicism when they act this way, because then they, people write off who we are as a church and that needs to change. Like mm-hmm. their behavior needs to change. And this is not the message of the Catholic church. Right. We're not going to let them uh, take the message and, and let it be converted into something like this. We want it to be a message about Jesus and a message about love. Right. It, so. it hasn't been a temptation for us to, leave the Catholic Church because, you know, we look at those people and we're like, well, that's not the Catholic Church, you know. Yeah, that's not the Catholic Church. Um, If we're going to leave, yeah, I mean, the Catholic Church is beautiful and her teachings are beautiful. I look around the wonderful families that I'm surrounded by and and the wonderful priests that we do know, and that's the Catholic Church. So, you know, there's nowhere else for us to go, (laughs) we feel, but, but, you know, it is time to just... Um, to mourn and to and to really speak out and to demand change. Right. Uh, so we're not going to do a whole podcast on this. Trust me, we have been talking about it nonstop with friends, with each other. Um, and it's been part of the reason we felt like we kind of needed to just take a break from podcasting because sometimes there are things more important than the things that you're doing in your own life. And it's right. important to stop and, and like... You know, in the Old Testament, when they would just like weep in sackcloth and ashes, like that's what we kind of felt like we want to do is just... Um, pray for these people who have been victimized, pray for them and mourn for them. and um, Right. And take the time to process it. I mean, things happen in life that are difficult. And I think it's important Uh just to take the time to really work through it in an honest and deep way. Right. Not to move past it too too quickly or too slowly, but to to, to sit with it. it. We had no desire after reading, you know, we read these testimonies of abuse and then and then testimonies of abuse being covered up. And, you know, we weren't like, hey, let's homestead. I mean, talk about Catholic homesteading. We just wanted to just stop everything and just be sad, be angry. And that's, you know, that's, I think that's a good way to to process things. Right. And everything that's coming out, I think people will look back at this moment in history in the Catholic world years from now and realize that this was a huge moment for the Catholic church, that Mm -hmm. things came out that truly were changing and, and they were, they were earth shattering in a way for the, for the Catholic church. And, and so there, there, you know, there's no reason to, to be doing things that <laughs> that aren't acknowledging that. Right, right. So, so anyway, just you know, I think we do want to do a homesteading podcast right now. It's you know, it's been a while, but um, just know that that's where our heart is, and we're not blind, and we are praying, and we are weeping, and you know, right, absolutely. So, anyway, so. All right. All right, on to moving on. Now, yeah, now it's hard to <laughs> go into this again, but we'll yeah. we'll do it anyway. So, yeah. anyway, homesteading. So we did the impossible. We did yeah. what everyone. You're not allowed to do this when you homestead. We did what everyone said that we will never do once we got a dairy cow. 
Um, we took a vacation. <laughs> we did. We took a summer vacation. Not just vacation. a vacation, but a vacation where we went away. Yeah, we went eight hours away. Yep. So um, when we got a dairy cow, or when we told people we were getting a dairy cow, I think it was like the universal. Everyone said, oh, you'll never be able to take a vacation. Yeah, even the people in the dairy cow blog said you can't take a vacation. Yes, but we took a vacation. <laughs> and so it is possible. our cow, so the reason that you can't take a vacation with a dairy cow is um, if you're you know, you have a cow that you're milking, you have to milk her every day or else um, she could get an infection if you don't milk her. Right. And then her milk would dry up. Or the milk would dry up, yeah. Right. So usually you would have to have someone else come and milk your cow, but our cow is Not to mention you have cows that are fenced in and need water and food and chickens that need food and there's just a lot more going on at home. So there's all these activities where it's like, yeah, you can't get away from that. Right, right. But... um, our, we can't just ask a friend to come and milk our cow because first right. off, we live like in the Baltimore area and there's no one around here that milks cows, basically. Right. So we're not like in the well, Midwest. My friend comes out once a week and does it with me, but so far, and that would be way too much to ask somebody to come out and milk her every day right. for a week. So, but also, she doesn't really like anybody else but Pete milking her. I mean, I yeah. can't even milk this She's cow. a little rambunctious. She's just like kind of mean, <laughs> honestly. She's not... I mean, I've heard stories of like gentle milk cows that let you like climb all over them and they let anybody milk them. Yeah. Our cow would be like, what the heck are you... If anybody tried to touch her, she'd be like, what are you doing? And yeah. she would not let anybody but Pete milk her. She's just scary. I mean, I've I've tried to bond with her many times, but she doesn't yeah. really want she anything to do with me. She grew up in a much bigger herd. <laughs> and even then she was sent away, I think, because she was the... She was the one that was beating up the other cows. Yes, so. she, they took off her horns because she was beating up the other cows. She's a mean <laughs> cow. I mean, anyway... But, Pete, why don't you explain how you were able to take a vacation from Right, cow. okay. So we got our cow inseminated, so she's pregnant right now, and we knew that she was going to have a new calf soon, like within the next week or two. So we decided we don't, we don't, it doesn't matter to us if she dries up. This is mm-hmm. going to be an opportunity to take a break. So theoretically, if we get her pregnant once a year, then we can take a couple months off before the new baby is due and dry her up. And then we don't have to milk. And I've been doing things like sleeping in on the weekends and stuff that you're also not allowed to do on a homestead. Yes. But we were able to dry her up. And then we have a good friend who well, also on, does a quickly. homestead. When you say dry her up, just for the norm, like the person out there that doesn't know what that means. Right. Instead, you can't just stop milking a cow cold turkey like again, I think most women could. would know what that means <laughs> I'm surprised at how many weed. guys don't know what that means but anyway it's <laughs> the same concept so when there's no demand there's no supply so when you stop taking the milk she produces less milk and then she dries up so you would slowly stop milking her and I will say this so we've had the milk cow the dairy cow for two years now I think it's really great just for everyone just all around to take a couple month break yeah. From milking. Just yeah. um, just to appreciate what you have for one. Like our kids, it was hilarious when we gave them store-bought milk. We bought organic store-bought milk. Yeah, I think I almost threw up when I first bought Everyone it. was like, <laughs> you should have seen our table. Like, I can't believe I'm buying milk from the store. Our table was like, everyone was like, people drink this every yeah. day. This is disgusting. It yeah. had such a kick to it. Like yeah. a sour kick that you're not used to. Like that you don't have that in fresh you know, cow's milk. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, our other, our, our third son started having stomach issues again. He can drink our raw milk just fine. And then he started getting stomach issues. With yeah, the, he cannot process I the store-bought milk. I won't let him have it. It's awful. Right. And very smelly when he has... It's very smelly, yeah. The store-bought you milk. can't be around. So I'm, I'm like, no, you cannot have it. It's 
but he can do the the raw milk, the the fresh cow milk just fine. Right. So. Right. Right. It's been good for us to appreciate. Like our kids are like, when are we going to get the milk back? They think the store-bought milk is horrifically disgusting. Yeah. Um, so we dry up the cow, but you're guaranteed that she's going to be freshened up, as they call it, within a couple months when she has a new calf. So that's the idea. But it really is nice just to have a break from it. So I realized I had been milking this cow for a couple years without a break. And you start to lose perspective necessarily of, is this something I want to continue doing or not? You're just doing it every day. So Mm -hmm. it's something that you do. And so I've found that having a little bit of time off from it has really helped give me perspective again. It's given me a rest and the ability to kind of step away from it and realize that I actually really do enjoy it. Like it's something I enjoy going out there every morning and doing. So I've also got a bunch of ideas of things I want to tweak to make it our setup a little bit nicer and stuff like that. I found that there are different people in this world with different gifts, obviously, but some people, their gift is to just, they'll do the same thing all the time. Like if they, if right, they stick decide, it out through thick and thin, if they decide to do something, they're going to be faithful to it, you know, to the end and through the good times and right. the slow times and the times where it's not working. Well, and that's why I needed a break is because I could be that kind of person. Yeah. I would just, I would milk a cow for the rest of my life and never question whether I wanted to do it again you're or that, not. You so, feel like you're that kind of person? Yeah. So I needed a break. I'm not like that. I'm always like, all right, let's, I, I view <laughs> life in seasons. Like, um, you, and you stop every once in a while to say, is this working? Is this what I want to be doing? I don't, I don't feel like I have to stick something out. I mean, obviously like there's marriage. I'll stick that up. My, you know, my vows, you know, my children, I mean, big things you stick out to. Not including marriage. I'm not talking about (laughs) marriage. I'm talking about all those little things you do within your marriage. No, but you're really good at that is that you can, you continually reevaluate just, just because you're doing something doesn't mean you need to keep doing it. I'm okay. Like maybe we were called to something for God was calling us into something for a time. And then I'm okay saying, all right, it's a new season. Like, what are we called to in this time? What, you know, I'm okay with changing things up, but I, I wanted him to take a, I, want, I thought it'd be a really good idea for Pete to take a break from the cow. Cause I stopped him and I was like, Hey, cause it's mostly on him. And I was like, do you love milking the cow? Are you, is this something that you really like to do? Do you really want to be doing this? We don't have to do this. Right. We don't have anything to prove. You've done it for two years straight. We have nothing to prove. Do you want to do this? And um, it was just great to take that break and then for our family to realize that we love having a dairy cow. You like right. milking the cow. No, I love <laughs> it. And we love having the fresh raw milk. And I, yeah, I really enjoy being able to milk the cow. And we've got a great setup with pasture. And if, if anything, we can just make it even better. So I'm excited to, to take on another year or two. And Well, and one thing I've learned is I really like doing um, the three-month break right. because we're getting so much produce that I can't even... My kitchen can't even hold the produce. I can't even imagine if I had to deal with the milk too. I mean, we're like overflowing in homesteading right. stuff now. The abundance, so. the, the promise <laughs> of abundance is coming in. Yeah, so I'm really thankful because we're getting so many nutrients from the produce. It doesn't feel like we necessarily need the milk right now. So it's just good all around. Like in these in the hot summer when we're working so hard to just you can sleep in, and then we'll have the milk again when the calf comes. So it's right. just been it's just been a new great, and we're learning with homesteading too. Is you can do it your own way. I mean, people will tell you you have to do it this way or that way, or you can do it your own way. So for right. us, maybe we'll do nine months of milking a cow and three months off. But we took a vacation, and it was amazing. It was good. We haven't taken a vacation in five, five years. years. Yeah, yeah, we have not gone away in five years, which is. Both both Kristen and I grew up with families that took vacations every year, and it was such a fun thing as kids. We looked forward to it so much and to getting away. I loved it. 
Um, and so we hadn't done that for a variety of reasons, one of which is we had four kids in five years. And then we moved and then we started homesteading and we started doing things like a dairy cow. So this was our first opportunity to do it. And it was really good. I think there's something healthy about getting away from your normal life and, and just having a different perspective, at least for a week. We went away to the beach. Yeah, we went to Emerald Isle, North Carolina, which is now been like a lot of our family lives down there and yeah. it's been horrible with the hurricane. I mean, we, we went there right you know, before the hurricane. So yeah. um, it's just so sad. Yeah, they're um, struggling right now after the hurricane, but it's yeah. a beautiful area and a beautiful beach. And yeah, Kristen's whole family was down there. So Yeah, it was just wonderful. But we also have to give a shout out to our friend Joe, who, yeah. okay, leaving your homestead. This was the first time we left our homestead. We've been here three years since our first time leaving. And it was totally like leaving your like your baby for the first time. I mean, I was just like, oh my God, terrified. I mean, yeah. but we have a friend who also has a homestead, you know, right five minutes from here. And he took care of our homestead and he did a wonderful, perfect job. Thank you, Joe. Yes. Yeah, Joe was amazing. He was amazing. He took care of everybody, all the animals. And then and then he came to say hi to them the morning because he was like <laughs> he was like getting so used to it that the morning we were home the first morning we were home he came to say hi to all the animals yeah. he did so great our yeah. crazy dog I mean there's no one else our dogs are so awful I mean there was just no one else that I could yeah. <laughs> stick them on and he did great with our dogs and the our, cows loved him there the was, there was a him. lot of grain missing when gave I came them some back extra grain. I, I, think were, I think they were enjoying <laughs> he said I would feel around. bad when they would look at me I would give them extra <laughs> grain and yeah. then and the vacation was great but halfway through Joe and his and his wife Aaron they sent me a picture because we told them you know just collect all the produce that you want I mean and we left right as the produce was really starting to come in and it came in it's been coming in nonstop, so it's not like we missed anything but we went away when it was really in its begin, like really just starting. So we said, take anything you want and, you know, do whatever you want with it. And they just sent us pictures of like the beginning of our abundance. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I want to go home. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but we've been swimming in vegetables, so yeah. it's been fine. But um, yeah, that I mean, we, we were so lucky that we could get away and have a friend that we could trust our our homestead too. Right. And so if you start homesteading and someone says you'll never take a vacation again, you can let them know that someone out there has. So. Yep. Yep. So anyway, that's vacation. That's um, now our, everything that worked. I mean, this is our first year that like, oh my goodness, it feels, usually you do, you have a lot of failure. Right. You do so much and we've had so much failure, so much learning. And this is the first year where it's like everything is succeeding and Right. Well, this is the third year. I was very year. stressed yeah. <laughs> about eating all of it. So I'm like, I need yeah. to, this is so good for me. I need to be eating this. This is so good for me. I need to eat that. And then I'm like, I'm going to like gain a hundred pounds for, if I keep doing this to my, I can't even, I'm not even vegetables. hungry. I can't eat this much. I, <laughs> I couldn't possibly. So I had to let myself realize like, it's okay if I. Yeah. And it's okay if some of it rots. Well, first off we have the chickens, so right. they get all kinds of, you know, we had a couple eggplants that were sitting downstairs and they start to go, you know, get kind of rotty and you just give them to the chickens. No big right. deal. If a bunch of tomatoes rot on the ground, it's not the end of the world. We've gotten really good at, at growing stuff and now we're also learning how to harvest it and, right. and utilize I mean, it as much as possible. But the buckets and buckets of things that we have are just absurd. Right. So this has been the year where Maryland has been a rainforest. It has not stopped it's raining. Absurd. 
Yeah, I really think we would pro- we would qualify to be a rainforest. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't checked the numbers on that, but it basically rains every day. And a lot of the rains have been inches, you know, there's just so much coming through. So it's been an interesting year. Uh, a lot of people, including us, haven't had the greatest year with tomatoes. Uh, we found that that our fresh eating tomatoes were just so waterlogged that they didn't do so well. Yes, but you say that because... You, you keep well, saying... the fresh eating ones didn't do so well. What we found was that our Amish paste tomatoes did amazing. Yes. I mean, so they're a tomato that has a lot less moisture in it naturally because it's a right. cooking tomato. And so, so maybe in this year of abundant water, they just did terrific because they could handle it. Amish paste and our Bonnie's Best did really well too. Yeah. The big, huge heirloom, juicy, yeah, tomatoes, they were, it was. Yeah, they had too much moisture time. for them. But we had so many tomatoes. And it got to the point that we had so many tomatoes that the chickens were breaking into the tomato garden and eating a lot of them. And I was like relieved because I couldn't keep up with if I was if I was upset about it, I would have had Pete could have just added a little bit more fencing to keep the chickens out. But it was like, oh, no. The chickens are getting the tomatoes. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, well. Because <laughs> it was so much tomatoes. I couldn't yeah. I couldn't deal with all the tomatoes. So right. let's right. talk about everything that we got this year. First okay. off, we're in year three, so we're starting to get fruit. Not a ton of fruit. Like, the trees are still very small, but we're getting fruit. So. We had this crazy theory when we planted fruit trees that you would want to get fruit from them. So <laughs> that was the theory, but it turns out that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we've started getting some fruit. We got a whole bunch of plums. The maybe. plums were so good. So yeah, I don't know, a hundred or two hundred plums total. Right. So the plums, I don't like. If you, I have not thought that I. I always thought I didn't like plums because when I get them from the store, they're just like very sour. They're just not. Yeah. They're not juicy. They're just like mm-hmm. sour and not good. These were like I would have juice dripping. I bite into it and there was it was messy. Right. There would be juice all over my arms and the methylene plum so tree is the good. one that a lot of people get and now we know why they oh taste my gosh. incredible. Yes. So yeah. the plums were incredible. Let's do fruit first, then we yeah. can do vegetables. So the, so the other big plums. surprise was the Asian pears started coming in this year. Right. And I'd eaten Asian pears from the store before and just wasn't that impressed by them because I, don't, I just didn't think they had that much taste to them. And the Asian pears that we ate when they were ripe were just delicious. And they're, they don't have spots <laughs> on them, which is nice. They're, they're oh, kind of just like a very good-looking fruit. Why are you laughing at I'm me? I'm thinking about the peach, John Paul's peach. I'm going to tell the John oh, Paul's yeah, peach yeah, yeah. story. Oh, yeah, A couple peaches. Yeah, the peaches that we... And, and again, everything we got was we didn't have huge abundant harvest of fruit, but everything we got was great. The peaches were so, so good. So we had a birthday party for our son, um, for Nicholas. And one thing we do in our family is like one of the first pieces of fruit that somebody gets, we all kind of cuts it up and we Right. If it's like the first one, yes, like the first cherry, you cut like one cherry into like six (laughs) pieces so that everybody gets a bite. So we had this birthday party. So we have all these people over. Hold on. Dessert. <laughs> <laughs> I will. You'll get dessert after this. Okay, going upstairs. No, okay. Sorry, everyone. Yes, we bribe our children with dessert. Yes. When we're podcasting. Guilty. So anyway, so John Paul brings in this peach to this birthday party of all these people, and he's going around giving everyone a bite of this yeah. peach. And all some of our people, friends. yeah, you it's, could, it's, so it's kind of getting a little slimy, you know? Yeah. And my, my friend Allie was so amazing. She like takes a bite of the peach and then my friend Aaron's <laughs> like, I'm not biting this. And I'm like, no, you don't have to, you do not have to eat the communal peach everyone. Right. And very sorry for the yeah. germs, yeah, but this is how we do it when we get a new fruit. You, yeah. So there was some. a, a birthday party communal peach, but yeah. pretty gross. But yeah. the peach was, the peaches were amazing. So sorry, plums, 
peaches, the um, the met the um, storing pears. What are yeah, they? the Asian the pears, Asian and pears. now we've got some European pears coming in that are pretty good too. Um, what anything? Any other fruit that we got? Obviously strawberries, but they're more annual. Yeah. they come. We might get a few apples this year. One of the gold oh, rush apple trees is doing pretty good. Night. You yeah, yeah, last night. Was, that was, was good. Okay. It was just not, it wasn't quite ripe yet. Yeah, when the apples come in for a new apple tree, they're all very like misshapen right. and they, it's hard for them to get stay on the tree long enough to get ripe. And that's, that's normal. That's just normal for an apple tree. So I think one of our trees might give us a dozen apples or so this year. Other than that, we'll probably start getting, getting those next year. The figs are looking huge. The figs yeah, are we'll looking see. This awesome. Will, this is our third year with figs and they're, it looks like they're actually growing big enough to maybe get ripe. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> before winter right but we'll see yeah fruit just takes a really long time is there any was there any other fruit that we got this year well it's just, it's just really peaches. satisfying to start to see the orchard look like an orchard yes you know, oh the, my gosh the trees are taking shape well it's really fun to see our children get lot like so we'll all go in the orchard as a family or you know the the forest garden as a family and literally my children i can't find them i mean it's right. getting that crazy it's just so fun to be in this garden and you can't find people i just i love walking because i used to walk through it and i'm like pete this is kind of embarrassing i wasn't the most encouraging well and it's so pathetic but here's the thing so when we this is this was a neat thing to learn this year when we moved in uh just down the road there was somebody who put in maybe a dozen fruit trees the same year that i did Uh so they they looked like they all came from an orchard somewhere or a nursery somewhere. They were about the same size as the trees that I put in and they were just put out into like a field somewhere. So right. they're completely surrounded by sod. And we had this idea that a permaculture orchard, especially one that had deep, uh, deep wood chips as the base for it was the way to do the orchard. But I think, you know, that was also a little bit of faith. We had read a lot and done research, but we weren't sure if it was going right. to work or not. Right. And um, so I, I was driving by that, little orchard this year and it was satisfying for me in in a certain way because half those trees were dead and the other half hadn't really grown at all yet and meanwhile our trees are kind of just taking off and i i suggest what did i suggest you do well you you thought it might be a good idea to do it that way No, no 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 what did i tell you to do to the person who grew the fruit trees that, that are dying. Oh, you wanted me to tell them about about deep mulch. Yes. <laughs> about back to Eden. I'm sure they would like to hear about it. Yeah, but that, I don't he know. thinks that would be weird. I'm like, just go knock on their door and tell them that you can help them right. with their orchard. Here's what you're doing wrong. Yeah, yeah. he thinks that would be weird. <laughs> but anyway, well, in the beginning, to the first year, I was like, their orchard looks a lot more normal than our orchard because right, our orchard was the... like deep, deep mulch Sheet and then mulch little everywhere. sticks coming out of the ground. So I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't super encouraging, but now I'm convinced. Yeah. I mean, our orchard this year looks I mean it's looking like amazing it's looking like a little forest um so again things are still young so I can't even fathom what they're going to look like in the years to come because it's looking so good so anyway our fruit trees are doing are doing great they're all producing not a ton but they're all producing um our vegetables are out of control I'm like trying so hard I'm to keep up with them we should sell them but honestly when you have four young kids it's just Right now, we're trying to give ourselves grace that we're just learning. Because if I tried to like learn and then also um, be selling things, it would just be too much. So right now, we're just right. kind of giving ourselves grace to just learn. We're just, um, yeah, in that stage where we're yeah, learning. Well, and, and so, yeah, so for instance, we tried eggplant the last couple of years and it just failed. It, you know, it, these little plants come up and then a bunch of bugs jump on them and right. eat them to death and they're gone. And so... This year we did eggplant again. I don't even know why. I just I, think I, I love eggplant, so I kept yeah. being like, "Please, we have to do it's eggplant." Like, All right, we'll try it again. So, but we put them out in the forest garden, which is now three years in, and and um, 
And so these little plants come up and the bugs jump on them and start eating them. I'm like, okay, this is, I think You're this right. is just what happens with eggplant. Yeah, I, we, we thought you couldn't grow eggplant in Maryland. Right. And then but. they powered through it. Uh-huh. And now there are these huge plants producing all of this I eggplant. I can't, yeah, I can't. I'm making yeah, eggplant can everything. <laughs> I mean, it's just. What are you going to do with all the eggplant? I know, we have so much eggplant. So eggplant, which was always a failure for us, has been right. a huge success. And I, right. I love eggplant. So. And I'm also guilty of what. What most other people who go through the seed catalog are guilty of is you see all these like abundant, you know, fruits and vegetables and then and then they give these descriptions that make it sound like the best thing ever. So you end up buying twice as much seed as you need or three or four times as much seed as you need. So I did that this year and there's all these different things. You'd be like, that'd be fun to try. That'd be fun to try. So one of those things was these bush beans. So, oh, the beans. I forgot yeah. about the beans. So beans... Oh, I froze about like a year's worth of beans. <laughs> okay, tell them about the beans. Right, so you got to know this if you do wood chip gardening because it, it works. Beans come in two varieties. There's pole beans, and those need to grow up something. They're, they're kind of like a vine. And then there's bush beans, and it's these short little bushes. And so I had, I had bought three different kinds of those, thinking I would try three different kinds and see which ones work the best. And then I had these three packets of seeds, and it was getting really late in the spring. And I'm like, you know what, forget it. I don't have time to plant these. Well, I'll, you know, I'll just do it. And so in five minutes, I planted three packages of, of beans by literally taking the beans and just putting them like an inch down in the wood chips. Wait, hold on. You need to tell the background of this because this was so smart on your part. Right. So the idea is that why can't most things grow in in wood chips? It's because there's no nitrogen there. They got to get all the way down into the soil before they get nitrogen. But legumes are nitrogen fixers. So that's not really an issue for them. And so I thought, what are the chances these things will just grow right through the wood chips? And so I literally planted beans like an inch down in the wood chips in an area that had like 15 inches of wood chips, like a ton. This is where we were planting our potatoes and stuff. So, and these wood chips were maybe like a year old. And so it's this huge amount of wood chips. I just threw the beans in the ground and walked away and figured that's better than just wasting them, you know? And so little did I know these tiny little plants come up and they weren't that impressive, but they started producing the most ridiculous amount of beans. Yes. I have been, I just put, I kept blanching them and just right. freezing them because we couldn't eat them fast enough. I was eating them every day at lunch for like right. a couple months and we were freezing a whole bunch of them. I was getting so stressed out and eating these beans. Right. Eventually they started to, to run out and these Colorado potato be- uh, bugs came in and, and, or potato beetle or something came in and started chewing them up. And again, at that point it was like, okay, yay, we're running right. out of beans. Yeah, fair enough. I can't you even can put them. them in my freezer anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was so smart of you. So, so do normally, bush beans if you're uh, if if you're if you're doing wood chip gardening. Yeah, normally wood chip gardening is a lot of work in the first few years because you have to dig down to the dirt and plant them in the dirt, and that's why Pete said like we just kind of ran out of time and energy, so he just put them in the wood chips, and they grew literally right. in wood chips, which is crazy. Things need, don't do that, you know. They need right. dirt. Right. So the beans were amazing. Um, the the uh, the kale, our kale, yeah. and our lettuces were amazing. Are um, oh so the lettuces and my cilantro and my dill they all went to seed so it bolts in the summertime and it goes to seed and we've had so much rain that now we're late in September it's hilarious how much cilantro and dill I'm I'm having a second right um, so we had the first crop and then right. what you do is you just let it grow and you just let it grow all the way till it produces seed heads and then um, yeah beginning of September. We came through and you kind of just shake them so all the seed falls to right. the ground. And then we cut them off at the base so that you get all of that that dried up 
leaf, you know, and stalk right. stuff out of the way. And now you've got it, you know, we've got a huge fall crop coming in. But it's absurd how much I have of cilantro. Yeah. I love cilantro. So right. I'm really so the excited cilantro, the dill, and all the lettuces. Yes. Everything that bolt that kind of went to seed and bolted is now coming back because they like the cool weather. So they, right. they're good for the spring and now they're coming back in the fall. Right. So the lettuces were great. I, what was the lettuce that we loved? The, um, oh, what was it called? Island. Yeah. Cause Island cod or something like that. Yeah, it was Island that was cause. our favorite lettuce. So yeah. um, we got that. It's like a romaine style lettuce. Right, right. Um, the garlic did amazing. Yeah, so we got a ton of garlic, and we're actually getting ready to plant that again because you'll plant that in in late September, October. So. Um, we tried a bunch of different kinds of garlic to see what worked for us. And so, again, with these root vegetables, that just means putting the little rootlet, you know, the little clove of garlic in between the wood chips and the dirt. Kind of just dig down to the wood chips, stick it there, and cover it over. And then in garlic's case, um, it, it kind of grows slowly through the winter and then takes off in the spring. Right. Um, we got so much. Our best garlic, we wrote it down, was the German porcelain, the German red, and the Russian giant. Yeah, those were all really good. Those were the biggest ones. Those ones did were our favorite. But yeah, so we'll we'll, how much we'll stick with those it was three like again. I don't know. We've got tons. so much. Yeah, so much. So um, I'm hoping it'll be a whole year's supply, and we do a lot because we do so much pesto and, and right. things like that. I made I I so I grew a ton of basil, and I, again I made a ton of pesto that I would freeze through the winter. So that was great. Right. Um, what else? We've got lots of potatoes and sweet potatoes, and right now. Right. So the sweet potatoes apparently love this rainforest that we live in because they are going crazy and i'm trying to eat sweet potato i i talked about this in a different podcast how potato leaves are poisonous but sweet potato leaves are really good for you so we've been eating that's been our green i don't i don't have any need for any other green because the sweet potato leaves we just cook those up and they taste just like spinach and they're so good for you and they're growing they're just taking over yeah we talked about planting those where i just plant the sweet potato i just throw that underground instead of doing the slips but truth be told um the ones that I planted from slip this year, just as an experiment, have done the best. Oh, so, interesting. Um, I didn't know that. The other ones that I planted just as sweet potato are doing pretty good. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got a massive... The problem with the sweet potatoes is, is I kind of planted them in the forest garden thinking that they would just grow in between stuff, but... They've taken over all of the stuff. Yes, <laughs> and so I won't yes. do that again. Sweet potatoes get their own spot from now on because um, they, they take up, you know, I don't know, hundreds of square feet right. of space. And then and then, and then it's like this very thick ground cover, so you can't just walk through it. Right, right. So, yes, sweet potatoes have, leaves have, or sweet potatoes have been doing great. Potatoes have been doing great. Our zucchini and our yellow squash also was yeah. amazing. Yeah. I bought the best... I bought the best purchase. It's called, what was it called? The spiralizer. But it's a special kind of spiralizer. Well, so we we had bought a spiralizer, which is the concept there is that you can take uh, a cylindrical type, you know, vegetable and put it through and it can cut it into noodles. Like a zucchini or a squash. A zucchini noodle or something like that. Because eventually you get a little bit tired of eating grilled squash. Right. So you can can make noodles out of it and then you can use it with all of your different kind of pasta sauces and things like that. And we we, had a handheld one that just... We have one, but it's made for like only the kind of zucchini or squash you get from the store, which is all perfectly tiny and very small. And plenty of ours got way bigger than that because... It goes from that size to like three times that size in a day or two. Right. So inevitably you end up with with squashes and zucchinis that are much bigger. And so um, 
you have the spiralizer. So it's it's the same concept, but it's just a lot bigger. Right. It's a bigger, I got a nice hefty spiralizer. Right. And so we use that a lot. That was great. That and really my helps. son, yeah. Justin, he loved it for the potatoes. He was just, yeah. he would put a potato on the spiralizer and it would cut up his potatoes really thinly. Thin, yeah. So, um, gosh, I mean, we have just been eating produce like, oh, our cucumbers were, yeah. we were just sick of cucumbers. Yeah, I'm done with and those. I mean, a ton of, <laughs> well, I made year. a ton of pickles and I got sick of pickles, but my kids have been eating yeah. the pickles. We so. still got, a, I think, a gallon and a half of pickles downstairs that right. we made. Um, so but, we're just like Oh, the other, the other one was watermelons, I think. Oh my like gosh. living in a rainforest. What are we going to do with the watermelons? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so the problem with watermelon is you have to change all your children's clothes afterwards because... It's so messy. It's, it's so like, messy. I'm kind of stressed it's to so cut messy. watermelon. So it's like, oh, this is this huge fruit. It'd be so much fun. We could have fresh fruit all the time. And then you realize there's like a cost. Yeah. You have to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to change clothing afterwards. But either way, right. we have... An abundance of watermelons. We have at least like 30 or 40 watermelons. And I really like <laughs> things that you just have to put the seed in the ground. Those are just yeah. easy. So the peas, the watermelon, the zucchini, yeah. the, the yellow squashes. and our, The yellow squash lasts a lot longer right. seemingly than the zucchini. And then we also, I, I like the taste of zucchini better, I think. Yeah, me too. Um, so our, and then we have a whole other garden that we just have winter squashes. So the kushaw, the pumpkins. Right. Um, you don't think they're doing that hot this year. Right. No, well, they started out super well, and I was thinking we were going to get a bumper crop of those, and that's one where they last all winter, and the chickens eat them all winter. So that's some of our food for the chickens in the winter, so we can't have enough. Like, you can't have enough of that stuff. So I was thinking we were probably going to get twice as much as we've ever gotten before, and we got a lot before. Um, but then a lot of the plants kind of just tailed off pretty quickly, um, some of the biggest squashes actually split this year. That might year. be from water, though. I think it's from the water. They were just... I don't mind if it's something we can't before, control, like too much rain. Like, yeah, so we got a lot of them. You know, we, we still got, I don't know, a lot. We still have a huge amount, so yeah. let's just... Sometimes you but act it was, like... it was a little disappointing to me, considering... I know, but sometimes you act disappointed, <laughs> but it's still a, a, a huge yeah. success, so... Yeah, the chickens will still have something to eat all winter, for sure. And us... And us. Right. And I like to have, I love the fall decorations. So I actually um, hosted a baby shower for a friend and it was a little house on the prairie themed baby shower. And we decorated it with all my like produce and yeah. things. It was so fun. But, um, you know, so I like them for, I like to have my food be a decoration too. We have like just food everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've done so much research over the last number of years with, with a, what I, you know, probably some of the best homesteaders out there and permaculture people. And there's this idea that when you build up the soil and you do a lot of perennial plants, but then do annuals in between and that you have your setup done well, like a back to Eden garden or a permaculture type orchard like we've been doing is that at some point the abundance starts coming in and it's almost overwhelming and that that that's the problem you want to have. When, right. you, when you grow food, you don't want your problems to be the other problems. You want your problem to be abundance. And so this has kind of been the year where that's starting right. to happen. And we get to see that that promise starts to take place where it's, there's so much stuff where it's, you know, what are you going to do with it all? And that's, that's kind of a cool problem to have. Right. And I feel like we're learning. Um, so when we first moved out here, it was like, we just worked nonstop. It was constantly planting, constantly um, doing something differently. Um, yeah, a couple years of implementing. 
Yeah, I felt like we were just constantly we were making just, a lot of mistakes too. Oh, really. moving mulch. I mean, we our gardens are huge. <laughs> Many truckloads. We of moved mulch. lots of mulch, yeah. and now I feel like we're getting to this place where we have a somewhat of a normal life, but we're also homesteaders. So we kind of in those first three years had to say no to everything, but right. now I feel like Pete's coaching a soccer, our son's soccer team, and we don't we're not going to be one of those families that does um, sports every night. Like. Our kids are not going to be on travel teams. We're not going to, that won't fit into homesteading, but we can start to say yes to some things. So we have Pete's coaching a soccer team. Right now, our kids are supposed to be at Trail Life, which is like Catholic Boy Scouts, but our, one of our kids has a high fever. So that's why we were, we're like, hey, let's, home, let's podcast right. instead. But right. we're starting to have um, a normal life. We're not working all the time. Well, and what Kristen said is, earlier is that life comes in seasons. So there's, there's seasons to implement. And then right. there's seasons to take a step back, and we can't just always be implementing. Right. It, if anything, you get burnt out that way. Right. So um, we try different things, and there'll be a, a different season to implement something new in the future. But right now, it's it's been several months in a row now of kind of just living in what we did. I've been burnt out by eating vegetables, honestly. <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm just... Because I'm home all day, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I should be eating this vegetable. I should be... And it's not that I'm trying to eat junk food. It's that I'm just not hungry because I'm eating so many vegetables. Yeah. Yeah, there's, <laughs> so, there's a lot of chewing. That's been burning, burning me out. Yes. <laughs> my vegetable chewing, but yeah, it hasn't been, I haven't been digging or planting so much. I've been harvesting. That's the big thing is like going out and right. harvesting or, well, and then the other thing that we've noticed when it doesn't stop raining is the weeds have been rough this year. Oh my gosh. I've given up on trying to weed a lot of my gardens. Cause yeah, so I'm noticing that there's there's big, huge weeds growing out of tiny little cracks in like the concrete that nothing ever grew in before. Right. Um, I will literally pull a weed out of the ground and I just throw it back down on the ground. I mean, what are you going to do with a weed? You, you pull it out of the ground and it dies and that's good enough usually. But some of these weeds, I pull them out of the ground, throw them on the ground and they re-root themselves because it never stops raining. It's just always, it's always wet. It's rained Every so day. that's been hard. That's been the hard thing um, about all of this rain is just having to deal with that. And um, but the, I also like so the rain has fed the weeds and it's or whatever watered the right. weeds. But it's been a really great excuse. I'm like, oh well, it's raining. I guess I can't yeah. get to the weeds today. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I just kind of they're going to die soon in the frost. It's we're coming up to the frost and. It's we have an abundance of food and yeah. the wood chips did really well with that anyway. Right. Um, the only garden that was really rough was the one that I never I didn't put them down thick enough in and they need they need another coat on top of, of wood chips. So, um, but the ones the, the wood chip gardens that were were nice and thick they did fine with the weeds. Just go out there every once in a while and pull them out. Right. Oh, and I want to say one last thing about homesteading this summer. Our dogs have been we've been realizing our dogs are not really great behaved listeners but you know we were realizing just looking at our trees in this big field next to this huge huge state park with deer that are out of control right. we see them beyond the fence line all the time they just don't come because there's of our deer dogs. everywhere i mean our dogs have allowed yeah. us to have this orchard and i walk out there and I'll, I'll pick a european pear up off the ground and eat it you know it's just sitting there in the wood chips You're like a pear in the middle of a field right next surrounded to by deer that and our fence is easily they could they could hop over it no problem right but they don't come into our property because of the dogs right um, but it's been, we've had some funny occasions like who spotted the raccoon in the little plum tree the dogs chased up oh yeah who spotted yeah, I that was, I was milking the cow this was a couple months ago I guess and 
Justin, my eight-year-old, comes up to me. He's like, there's a raccoon in the orchard. I was like, are you kidding me? <gasps> right. So there's yeah. a, raccoon, a, must, a raccoon must have come into our orchard in the nighttime and the dogs, because the dogs sleep out there in the summer and they must have right. chased it up a so tree. So it was up in the plum tree being diligently guarded. So, but imagine this huge raccoon in this little young, tiny fruit tree. So yeah. that was really um, dramatic. And I was of no help because I was freaking out that there was a raccoon that Pete was trying to get out of a tree. So well, yeah, I ended up that was it. one story anyway. Well, People might be sensitive. <laughs> That's what you got to do. But the other day we come home from church and, and our dog Bella is like laying in the garage because we don't even lock our garage because, well, anyone, no one wants to steal all of our junk right. that we all store in our garage. Our <laughs> come store toys. our children's broken toys. No, but anyway, our dogs just kind of like lay out there. And so we come home and I look in the garage and our dog Bella is laying in the garage and there's this huge animal next to her. And I was like, what? is that it was the hugest <laughs> groundhog I've ever seen that she carried up to the garage yeah. and you know but thankfully you know yeah. that, that groundhog eats our lettuces so it's yeah. just been so great she that our dogs have excited been excited about me taking it from her either uh, yeah <laughs> she, she wanted to hold on to it uh, yeah she wants to carry on this huge thing so again I'm just so thankful for the dogs for guarding our our orchard and our our gardens and you know our kids junk in our yeah. garage <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're thankful for that um so I guess, is that it? Yeah, I think so. Today. So, all right. Well, hopefully you'll be hearing from us more often. We've been just busy, but having a great time and yeah. loving homesteading. It's changing. It's getting a lot easier. It's not taking over our life the same way, but it's um, producing more than we could have ever imagined. So yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone. Have a great night. All right. Have a good one. Bye.